When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will be talking Michigan basketball as their roller coaster season continues and National Signing Day for football. Softball is about to begin and hockey has made news recently. All that and more right now on the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Good to be back with you guys here. Don't see as much of you, you know, now that football is over, but Ryan, I get to see you at basketball games, but Aaron, don't really see you. How you guys been? Ill. <laughs> I'm feeling better, right. but I mean, the, the, the flu bug finally caught yeah. me earlier this week, mm. so I'm it's feeling better. It's though. like I'm getting a little little bit of a, a break from McMahon these past few weeks. It's been a- Much needed break. <laughs> Sometimes I want to punch this guy. But, you know, <laughs> the basketball team is 13-9, and 4-7 and seven in the Big Ten. I mean, it's been just a roller coaster season. Start 7-0, and oh, surge into the top five nationally, um, then drop a few games that were... Kind of understandable, excusable, I guess. You know, you lose on the road to the number one team in the country. That's fine. You know, you lose a a Big Ten road game, drop one in overtime to a top 10 Oregon team. All these were were okay. Then started to show some cracks when they lost two straight at home to Penn State and Illinois. Games that they were not, you know, they, they... the Penn State game, they were not in it in the final few minutes either, and then bounced back with two, you know, wins away from home against Nebraska and Rutgers last week, only to fall to Ohio State in their most recent game on Tuesday. So it's just been up and down, you know, NCAA tournament. They're kind of right on the they're they're in right now in most projections. I'm seeing kind of in that eight, nine, ten seed range. It's kind of amazing, the Big Ten. I mean, basically, I'm seeing currently like eleven teams in, a twelfth right there in Minnesota on the bubble. Mm-hmm. And and basically they're hitting every seed along the way, you know, a three seed, a four, a five, multiple six, seven, eight. It, it's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the the big picture. You know, zooming in a little bit is that it's been it's been kind of different things uh, every game that have been the been the problem. Like I've said, they've kind of found ways to lose. So I mean, against Ohio State, it would be <clears throat> I would say offense overall was the issue. Just could not make. They had open threes that they didn't make right down in the final one, and then they had layups. They had good, yeah, good drives. They and just could not hit anything. Like that. nothing was falling for them, which is, uh, it's got to be frustrating at this point for them. You two are obviously around this team way more than me. I've watched from afar a little bit this year. Do you, do you think this team has just found its water, or is this, right. or is this the result of just the instability with with Isaiah Livers not there and and Xavier being out? And like, what do you think? I that? think that's a good point. I think you have to ask yourself. Okay, these guys aren't hitting open. Aren't hitting a lot of shots. But are they just not good shooters? We don't know. They lost so many of their um, top scores from a season ago. And then just the roster is littered with guys that either really haven't shown that they can be outside shooters in their college career, Xavier Simpson and John Teske, or, you know, haven't really had the chance to do it much. I mean, Eli Brooks wasn't really ever a, a starter. He was for, you know, a handful of games as a freshman. But Franz Wagner's a freshman. David DeJulius, Brandon Johns. Colin Castleton, all sophomores who didn't play that much last year. So it's hard to know what that level is to regress to or whatever. But, you know, the way they shot the ball in the Bahamas, for example, you know, they hit 10 of 21 threes against Iowa State, 11 of 26 against North Carolina, uh, 
12 of 23 against Gonzaga. You know, they haven't really matched those numbers, but I don't think they're as bad, you know, as some of these shooting performances we've seen lately. You know, the 7 of 24 against uh, Nebraska, the 4 of 17 against Illinois, the 5 of 28 against Penn State. So you would think they're somewhere in between. Yeah, but I mean, if if you look at Franz Wagner, I mean, he's shooting below 30% from three this season, and he's attempted the second most on the team despite missing four games. So, I mean, at that, it's like, all right. I mean, and he can drive and he can take it to the basket and store that way too. Right. He can store in different ways. So, I mean, maybe don't sell, even if it is a open three or lightly contested three, maybe look for a better shot, try and do something different. But at this point, I mean, yeah, like averaging 60, 60 some points a game is not going to get you many wins in the big 10. Yeah, no, it's a problem. And yes, livers plays into that, but you know, we, we don't know when he's going to be, when he's going to be back. So, I mean, that that's part of this this whole deal. And most every team has some sort of injury. Michigan had been, you know, very lucky the last couple of years. But, uh, yeah, Juwan Howard certainly doesn't uh, hesitate to mention that Livers has been hurt. Kind of any opportunity he gets, he, he mentions it. You know, he talks about teams aren't going to feel sorry for Michigan. But, you know, it's important that he not feel sorry for, for them either. So we'll see. I mean, it's kind of rivalry week here in Ann Arbor. So, you know, just lost to Ohio state, but now Michigan state comes to visit on Saturday. So there's really no time to, uh, yeah, feel sorry for yourself. And then, then you go, you know, to Northwestern next week. That's one of the road wins you just have to get, you know, Mm -hmm. Northwestern and Nebraska, you just got to beat them um, the way they are this year and and how much kind of the drop off from the middle of this conference to, um, yeah, those two teams is, is significant. It's kind of it's kind of unbelievable where where the Big Ten is and like some of these you know computer rankings. You got Michigan State at nine, uh, Ohio State, uh, Maryland at eleven, Ohio State at twelve, Penn State at fourteen, Iowa at nine, uh, Purdue at sixteen, Iowa at nineteen. Just a bunch of teams all in there in the teens. It's kind of unbelievable. But yeah, and I guess I guess the other thing I'll point out is that you know Austin Davis has really come on the last couple of games, you know, kind of career games uh, consecutively. Brandon Johns, Johns Jr. has also been kind of, has had a surge in re- recent games as well. Absolutely. Uh, now, some of Davis's minutes have come in place of Johns because Juwan Howard likes to roll him out there with John Teske. So you've got two kind of true centers out there. And I wrote about this uh, on MLive.com, and I kind of had this as a note, but I can expand on it here. And you guys can weigh in. I found that, and again, not to just compare Juwan Howard to John Beeline, but just as how John Beeline did things and this is how a lot of coaches in the modern game do things. They put out, you are who you can guard. And threes are worth more than two. And they'll roll out a lineup that might be a little smaller, but is a little faster and maybe a little more skilled, better shooting, and say essentially say to the opponent, adjust to us. We're going small. We're going to run. We're going to spread you out. We're going to hit shots. And we're going to see if we can hold up inside. And that might mean a Duncan Robinson type guarding a, you know, true power forward who can bang inside. But if he can force misses, you know, even half the time and Michigan can get rebounds and he's hitting the three on the other end, then they're in good shape. Juwan seems to go with, oh, this other team is kind of big. We need to respond to that. So it's more reactive than proactive. And I don't know where you guys, you know, stand on that philosophically, but it's, it's just that is what I see. And that's, you know, that's why you see these two two big lineups with Teske and Davis. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's I guess a philosophical mm-hmm. choice from a head coach. It could be that you know he's still trying to figure out what he has as a team, as we can see. Yeah, I think we've, his we've seen choices are limited, more limited than Beeline's were as well. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's just, and the college game is a little different than the NBA still, you know. So I I do think it's a feeling out pressure from Javon. I mean, obviously I'm not there, but it's. Right. I don't know. It, it does seem like they are being more reactive than proactive at times, and, and maybe that's hurt them. I, I guess I don't know, but I think it's it's still a feeling out process for Juwan to some degree. We, yeah, we it hurt them against the game at Iowa for mm-hmm. sure. That was a that did not that was a disaster defensively with kind of the two bigs out there at the same time. But lately, it's been okay. I mean, I think I did a, a plus minus. I think it was like minus five when you had some two man combination of Teske Davis and Colin Castleton out there at the same time. They're like minus five overall. Lost the game by three, so I mean it's pretty pretty much a wash, I guess. Rolling with those lineups for fourteen minutes of game action or something like that, so uh, it's just something to keep an eye on. But you know they need to. I thought against Nebraska they took a step forward. You know had played the previous game without Xavier Simpson, and you kind of saw those other guys take the lessons that they learned when they didn't have Xavier out there. You know playing then once he rejoined the team. Um, some of that is just how Rutgers decided to defend Michigan. Which I don't think I think it kind of played right into Michigan's hands, but we'll see. Michigan has obviously had a lot of problems with Michigan State and Cassius Winston. Now the last two years, they've lost four in a row. Now the game in East Lansing was not particularly competitive mm-hmm. in early January, so we'll and see. You would think having them at home at Chrysler would would be in their favor, but the way Michigan's played at home lately, you can't really say that at this point either. Three straight losses at home, four overall this season. They had one loss each. One loss in each of the last two seasons, three the year before that. So that's five total for three years, and they're at four this year. There's no real explanation. Uh, Obviously, a couple of these games could have gone either way. The Oregon game, uh, the Illinois game. They also won a double overtime game against Purdue. So it's been kind of a mystery. You could say, well, the good news is after this week, you know, they got eight games and only three of them are at home. But it's not like they've been killing it on the road either. Um, The Nebraska game last week was their first true road win. So if only they could play all their games in the Bahamas the rest of the week. Well, that is the good side. It's it's, it's funny you say that because obviously Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament are all neutral site games. And Michigan is, if you count the Rutgers game at at Madison Square Garden as a neutral site game, which I would, they're 4-0 neutral site games and looking pretty good and hitting shots in those neutral site games. Probably That's what it comes down very to. Very small sample size. Yeah, but it's finding a rhythm and, and getting some momentum going. And, you know. and yeah. we, as we've seen with these Michigan teams in the past where they don't have very good Januaries or Februaries yes. and they turn it on in tournament time. This is true. So, I mean, basketball is a funny sport where one team get hot, it's one game, and it's an interesting game. Let's talk football now for a little bit. Yeah. Today, yesterday, Wednesday. <clears throat> was National Signing Day. Yes, it was. Used to be a bigger deal. I guess real quick for those who aren't familiar, why was it maybe not such a big deal well, this with, year? With the early signing period now in December, I mean, the top programs are getting most of their, trying to get most of their commitments signed early so they can work on future classes. And that's exactly what Michigan did. Uh, they aimed 23 players in December and did not add any players on Wednesday. So zero players, zero players <laughs> going off what Ryan said, the calendar is basically shifted now, yeah. you know, instead of signing kids and recruits in February, it's gone basically to December. And instead of 
you know, finalizing your class in January, like coaches are going out recruiting and hitting up high schools and players. They're now beginning that for the 2021 classes and the 2022 classes. So the calendar has basically just been moved up, whereas the hot recruiting period is now in the summer trying to finalize things with Mm -hmm. these kids. Whereas years ago, before the early signing period was introduced, you know, January was always a, a key area where they were trying to finalize things. And now it's pretty much finalized in December. But, I mean, it's not, it's not to say that there's no top prospects that are still no, signing. Right. I mean, Michigan's class did fall from number 10 to number 14 yesterday, so there were programs adding players. Just Michigan was not really – I mean, there wasn't any fireworks that were expected, and, of course, that proved to be the case. Uh, they did lose a commitment, which also wasn't a surprise. Uh, Shea Patterson's brother, uh, a three-star tight end, flipped his commitment to Princeton. He Listeners was, of this podcast knew that was coming. Yeah, that was not a surprise at all. So really, Mission only has two unsigned commits remaining, and one of them, a quarterback J.D. Johnson, never expected to see the field for the Wolverines as he had to retire because of a medical condition. Mission and Harbaugh are expected to honor his scholarship still. And then three-star running back Gage Garcia, who – who's already signed his uh, NLI to wrestle at Michigan. So just waiting on the, the football team to announce that he will be a dual sport athlete as well. I'm not exactly sure when that might happen. So yeah, yeah this appears, appears to be set. Like I said, Michigan's class ranks 14th in the nation, number two in the Big Ten. And uh, it'll be the fourth time in, in six years that Harbaugh has a, a top 15 class at Michigan. Yeah, and, and Gage Garcia is no. I mean, he's a three-star running yeah, back. Very right? low, so, yeah, very yeah, low. Yeah, I think even the lowest, the rated lowest rated yeah. scholarship supposed player on Michigan's team. So it's not exactly going to move the needle either way. Yeah, so uneventful signing day for Michigan, as it, like you said, as it was expected. Nothing major was coming down the pipe, and Michigan's coaching staff, by and large, has already moved moved on to 2021 and 2022. I mean, I was watching the signing day show on Big Ten Network yesterday. And they had uh, uh, Alan True from 24-7 on there. And True was even saying there were offers already going out for the 2024 classes from some of these schools. Yeah, so, like, crazy. it's <laughs> it's these coaches have moved on. I mean, it's you land most of these kids early on. I wouldn't say pressure, but you, you convince a lot of these kids to to sign early. Not only sign early, but once they, if they are able to sign in summer and they choose to, then more, more and more of these kids are being eligible to enrolling early at school. So you're seeing more and more of these kids come in in January, participate in winter conditioning, and that gives them the, the go-ahead to practice in spring. So that's becoming more and more of a thing as well. And it's not really too surprising that Mission wanted a head start on the 2021 class because, I mean, there's a lot of in-state guys in this 2021 class that Michigan's in, involved in, and they want to get that leg up on, on some of these guys. I mean, top 100 players in the country um, that they're looking to to bring in for that 2021 20, class. Um, one of them having already been committed in Giovanni Alhadi from uh, Livonia Stevenson, along with J.J. McCarthy from Illinois, the five-star quarterback. Uh, so they're both of those guys are, are trying to recruit some, some of these other top players in the class. So this 2021 class will be interesting to follow over the next few months. Yeah, McCarthy's been posting a lot of, I think, what's it, Donovan Edwards? Yeah, Donovan Edwards, uh, Rocco Spindler, Spindler, yeah, yeah. I mean, two top 50 guys in, in the country, and it'll be interesting to, to follow. They could really make a splash with this 2021 class. I mean, they've, they got, like you said, they mentioned they got McCarthy on board already. He's been really active recruiting. If he can get land some of these these skill guys with him to go along with him, then Michigan's future could be, could be really bright. I mean, obviously, it's still several years on the road. But, you know, they've, they've already got a jump start on pre future years classes. You know, Harbaugh's recruiting is, is kind of a microcosm of, of 
of the program as a whole. It's very good, mm-hmm. but not quite at that elite level that you're seeing from some of those SEC schools and their chief rival in the Big Ten, Ohio State. You mentioned that they're second in the Big Ten, but second to Ohio, Ohio State. State. Yeah. yeah, I guess so from one rival to another. Michigan State, meanwhile, lost its coach. Mark D'Antonio resigned, retired this week in East Lansing. And I think, you know, you obviously follow mlive.com slash Spartans for you know extensive coverage on that from Matt Wenzel, Kyle Austin, and others. But it's obviously relevant to Michigan as is their you know in-state rival. This was a guy, D'Antonio, who you know took his lumps early um, in his tenure, but then won four in a row as you know the Lloyd Carr era ended and a Rich Rod Brady Hoke eras followed. Uh, seven out of eight. Know, which extended even into the beginning of the Harbaugh era with a you know just a all-time win uh, at Michigan Stadium. But then Harbaugh started to kind of swing the pendulum back. Not fully because uh, Michigan State did come to Ann Arbor in 2017 and, and win a low-scoring game. But sort of the last two years on the field in recruiting and then even off the field, you know, Michigan has swung things had swung things in its favor. So you know, if you're an outside coach coming into this Michigan State program. It was better than D'Antonio left it, but it had started to take a dip uh, on and off the field these last few years. So it's not maybe quite the appealing job. Just kind of opening the floor for thoughts on his era, his his retirement, possible replacements, really anything as this relates to Michigan. I don't think, to me, this wasn't a shock that he resigned, but I think the timing was more of a surprise. I mean, if this was going to happen, you thought it would happen right after their bowl game right. and they could, you know, make it a swift change with the staff and from a recruiting standpoint. Now, I mean, they have, they pretty much did get all their guys signed and everything else, but the recruiting class was nothing, nothing impressive. Zero impl- four stars. Yeah, it was, it wasn't impressive. Um, and you saw that that was probably a, a result of the last couple of years of struggles on the, on the field. Mm-hmm. And like you mentioned, things had turned south for Michigan State's football program in, in the last couple of years. But it, again, when you look at D'Antonio's body of work in East Lansing, he had some really good peaks and yeah. he had some lows. Yeah. It, it was, it wasn't as stable as, say, maybe a Michigan, what Jim Harbaugh's been able to put together in five years here. Granted, he was there for 13 years. It was it was impressive. There were some I'm impressive moments. They reached the college football playoff. They did, it something really Michigan is, hasn't yeah. been able to do. He won some Big Ten titles. He had some really good moments against Michigan. It's important to keep in mind with regard to the Michigan-Michigan State rivalry that typically the better team won. When Michigan was struggling, Michigan State won. Yep. Uh, when Michigan's been better the last couple of years, they've won. It's typically the result of the better team. Michigan did, I mean, State did surprise in a couple instances. And that was the thing, and I wrote about this the other day on MLive.com. Mark D'Antonio did a very good job of helping intensify this rivalry because before he arrived, Michigan had dominated for so long. And D'Antonio did a very good job of going to his program and his players and almost playing the, the victim. You know, we're, we are putting a chip on their shoulder saying, hey, we're the ones that are always being disrespected. We're the ones that are always looked down upon in this rivalry. And they were able, able to flip the rivalry as a result. Hey, guys, players to play up to play up to Michigan. They've won several years in a row there. And you saw the the fruits of his labor middle of his tenure here, his tenure at Michigan State. Yep. And he also developed some NFL talent as well. Good. Yeah. So now we'll see who they bring in. I mean it's a, again it's a tough job, regardless of what might be, you know, coming down the pipe with sanctions or anything like that. You know, you're in a division with Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. Penn State. It's tough. So yeah, we'll see. And again, it's just late in the game. You know, if you thought Jawan Howard was hired late in the game on the college basketball calendar, like this is really late in the game, you know, if you wanted to get one of these top guys. So there's people out there potentially, or they could roll the dice with, you know, an interim tag for a season and kind of just punt and, and get back at it, you know, have a head start for the, the next year. It, you know, if I'm Michigan State, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't look past the interim tag for a season. Giving it, I think Trussell, they said Mike Trussell's the guy right now. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they go that route, at least temporarily. Problem is, if you do that, you just elongate the rebuild. Because right. keep in mind, Michigan State's really taken its lumps in recruiting the last yeah, couple of years. Yeah, Your yeah. classes have been Four, nothing. 43rd. In yeah. the country this year, 10th yeah. in the Big Ten. Yeah, really set yourself back for a year yeah. or two. So, so the talent, they're barren. I mean, they don't have a ton there. So I think it, it would probably help them getting someone in here sooner rather than later. But it, I think you need, more importantly, they need to find the right person, a person that's willing to come here and invest in the future of Michigan State and, and not just sit here for a couple of years and look, use it as a launching pad like some other coaches have in the past. Um, so you need to find that D'Antonio-esque guy that's willing to stay here and invest and, and be here for the long haul. Because Michigan State is a place you can win. I mean, they do have the resources. They have the facilities. They've shown in the past that they're willing to invest in the football program, and, and they've won. I mean, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. So and, and Michigan's still a talent-rich school when it comes to recruiting football players. So the, the players are here. There's an opportunity to win at Michigan State. You just need to find the right guy. There have been several names going out there, and maybe we'll get in there in a minute. Yeah, I mean, I'll just I'll put a guy out there right now, and he's just right down the road from us here at the Live offices in Ann Arbor. Uh, and that's Chris Creighton at Eastern Michigan. You know, got a chance to spend a little time with him, see his program, uh, a little behind-the-scenes stuff uh, when I did a story a few years ago on their athletic director, and I was just really impressed. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what his interest is in in that job, but, man, again, you look at his numbers at EMU, no one's going to be blown <gasps> away from the outside who doesn't know, but anyone who realizes what kind of job that is, look at the records before he got there. Now, that's a place where getting to a bowl game is like getting to the playoff at some other schools, and he's done that now two years in a row. Yeah. So I, I, I've really also spent, spent some time with him, and I have been really impressed with how he uh, motivates his yep. players. And I mean, he hasn't brought in any top recruiting classes in the MAC, let alone uh, in the country, since he's been there. And yet, he's getting the most out of his players. And I mean, they all seem to love playing for him. And I mean, he'd seemingly be in for a raise if he if he was to to be hired at Mission State. I mean, he's only he's, his contract tops out at five hundred thousand in twenty twenty two with Eastern. So I'm sure. It could be in line for a little bit more money if you turn to head up state the, to East Lansing. The more I think about him, the more he makes sense. I mean, he just seems he screams me D'Antonio S like a D'Antonio S coach. I mean, mm-hmm. he's how long has he been Eastern for now? Is it five, five seven, yeah, seven years? Five, yeah, five so years he stayed in EMU for a while. I'm, I'm a presume uh, his name has come up in, in coaching searches in the past. I'm presuming he's been he's been asked about other jobs and maybe wasn't finalist. He wasn't mm-hmm. off. I don't know. He just decided to stay. I don't know. But he's shown a willingness to, to build a program like EMU from from with basically nothing. I mean, the program doesn't have a ton of money, doesn't have a ton of winning. Talking about shutting it down. Yeah, yeah. So it's he's done a good job of building what he has. So he he seems like he would make sense in a place like East Lansing. Now, is he the splashy hire? Probably not. Yeah. And it, it all... Again, this is going to go back to what Michigan State wants in the head coach. They want a type of guy, like a D'Antonio-esque guy, who is going to build up what they have and you know motivate guys. He probably won't make up splash in recruiting, but he may... He'll, be successful with what he has or does or do they look to like a i don't know matt campbell's come up I, he's oh he's denied it um you know Luke, Duzzi, Luke Fickle denied it as well i, th- I think from michigan state's perspective i denied it mean and from michigan state's standpoint at this point the splash hire to make is probably luke fickle i mean that's the guy he's he's won at cincinnati he's recruits well he he knows the michigan landscape very well there's even that that tussle he had with Jim Harbaugh a few months ago, if you remember correctly. So you know, I think that, that would add something to Michigan rivalry. But you know, we'll see. What does he want to come here? Would he be interested? It's it's a weird timing situation. So it's, there's a lot up in the air at this point. Michigan's I think Michigan State is more hamstrung by the timing of this decision than, than anything else. Well, yeah. Again, follow follow our coverage. Uh, 
from MLive.com for that. Let's get into some other sports here to close things out. Hockey, softball, things of that nature. There's a lot going on right now. Cover the Michigan hockey game on Friday. Um, They took a a four-game on Bean Street against into their series against number 11 Ohio State and uh, that was probably the most lively atmosphere I've seen at Yost in the last few years I've been covering the team Uh, the student section had just been uh, they felt they were snubbed out of the top nine student sections in uh, college hockey and they were loud they were engaged the whole game a back and forth game Michigan took the lead twice Ohio State answered both times, and then, then senior captain Will Lockwood scored with just under four minutes to play to give them the win on Friday. Um, I was not at Saturday's game, but Michigan outshot Ohio State heavily, but uh, they took two five-minute major penalties, um, one resulting in a suspension for uh, freshman forward Johnny Beecher, um, who's been one of their best players this, this season. He will miss Friday's game against Wisconsin after being suspended. And it's crunch time now for for the Wolverines. They're, they're 29th in the pairwise rankings. They need to somehow get into the top 16 with a month left in the regular season for a shot and an at-large bid. Uh, but more and more, it's looking like they'll have to win the Big Ten tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament this season, which is not completely out of the question. I mean, the, the conference is so jumbled right now. There are five teams within one point of each other at the top. Um, so, I mean, Michigan has shown they can play with, with the top teams in the conference, especially in the second half of the year. They'll just need to do it at the right time as the, the season is, is unwinding very quickly. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, they've been in this spot before. Last uh, two years, they <laughs> had a str- struggle in the first half. Two years ago, they were able to go on a, a crazy run in the second half and make it all the way to the Frozen Four. Last year, they never really gained their footing despite having a talented team and finished right around 500, which right now they're one game below 500. So uh, needing a run there. And uh, also went to softball media day uh, last week as the softball team gets ready to begin their season on Friday in Tampa, Florida. That's Carol Hutchins' 36th season um, with the Wolverines, which is quite remarkable. Uh, I mean, obviously the, the NCAA wins leader, uh, all-time wins leader and just an absolute gem gem to interact with and, and hear thoughts about the game uh, her team and, and 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 topics in general it's always a always fun listening to to what she has to say absolutely yeah i mean this is where when will they return to ann arbor i mean it's kind of like two seasons almost yeah, in softball for the for the midwest team it's not until march that they come back so yeah they'll be down there for about a little over a month and then they'll be playing some cold weather games and uh March and April at Michigan. I know. I always say I got to get to a game, get to a baseball game. And it's like you have like two chances where it's actually nice out. Right. And, yeah. you know, you're not covering something else. So um, maybe we'll have a Wolverine confidential outing the first sunny day in April or May we get. The first nice day there's a game. There, there you go. go. Maybe we'll do one. That sounds good to me. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. Mm-hmm.